Welcome back, everyone, to Talking It Out with Mike and Brian. We got a great show, great show for you today. We have Hunter Montgomery from Katie Season. But of course, you know how we got to start it off. We got to get to our hot takes. Mike, what's your hot take of the day? Yo, <laughs> I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Well, I want to ask, have you ever called a girl by the wrong name? I probably have. I don't I remember a specific have. moment, I but I, prob- I probably have messed up and tried to play it off totally after the fact. Uh, if you- Why? Did that happen to you? <laughs> I was on a date. Okay. And a woman called me the wrong name. <laughs> hold up. Hold up. What did she call you? Bro, she... she oh, this is so... I don't even know if it's embarrassing for her, for me. I'm just so lost. I really don't know what it is. She called me Matt. Oh, <laughs> hell no. Of all the names, of all the names she could have called you. Don't, no disrespect, Matt. Yeah, no, no, any no. of the Matts out there, no disrespect. But it's no come on, man. It's like, it's like not, insult to injury. What's up with that, man? Yeah, what did no, you do? It's no disrespect whatsoever. I just look. She doesn't follow Matt. Uh, Matt James, that is, but it was just, I mean, my face, I'm a, I, I say how I feel. I was like, my name is Mike Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got that little bass in your voice there, I see. Oh, yeah, I changed it. All up, of a right. sudden. I took okay. out like, all the little softness that I be having sometimes. I try to be nice. I took all that out. It, it went from smooth bass. to, like, to heavy bass. Yeah, my name is Mike Johnson. <laughs> and I shook my head at her like, yo, you're going to get this name. You're going to get this right. And uh, I mean, and, and then I and then I paid for what we was doing. I paid for oh. the activity. Time out, time out, time out. I need I need context here. Was the was this date going well? Like, it was, it, it were was, you on all cylinders with her? And then it was, all it was, of a sudden, she dropped going, that. The date was going good. I was like, I I don't know about you. I want to ask you as well. But for me, at least, I can. I think I could tell if I'm a like a girl. Like within that first date, I could tell like if it's gonna if it's gonna go somewhere, right? Yeah, within like the first fifteen, you know, yeah, like okay, we're vibing. Oh like, yeah, boom! I like your look, and then next step, do I like your personality, right? Correct. And then do I like you know your your brain, how you work, how you work? And so the date was going good. I was still unsure if I could see her for future potential, but it was going good. It was going in that direction, right? This is the first date. Yeah. Imagine. Okay. Okay. And what activity would you say you were doing? Oh, uh, at this during this particular time. We had just came from the escape room. Okay. I, by the way, it's an awesome date. I will always go to the escape room just because it's you get to interact with that person, and it's not like you don't got to be lovey dovey. It's just like, yo, can we be teammates, right? Can we be partners? Yeah. And then you might have to interact with other people as well. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So after that, we had went to, uh, I like speakeasies. We went to go to a speakeasy. Okay. And she just flat out called me Matt, bro. Oh, man. Like, and said it with confidence. She said it with her chest. Like, had, Matt. Like, had she mentioned, I, had she said Mike prior, or was that like the first time like she mentioned a name at all? I honestly don't remember because the only one that, only one that comes to my mind is she called me a <laughs> once she messed name. up. Like, <laughs> I don't care if she called me Mike before. You can't say, look, this is the rule, people. If you aren't a thousand percent sure, just don't say their name. Seriously. Like, seriously. Just doesn't, don't, don't just keep say your mouth name. shut. 
Like, Keep your mouth shut. Go to the bathroom. Go to the IG. Get it right quick. <laughs> so wait, was that like a total momentum killer for you? Was that like wah wah wah? I I continued. You know, I persevered through it. But yeah, in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, this enough. Like, I I just I was like, yeah, this that's is it. Enough. That was a wrap. No second date for her. No. No. You can't do that. Like no. Nah. I'm like, <laughs> no. Like. Damn. One strike and you're out with Mike. Well, when it comes to that part, you can't be messing yeah, with another man yeah. like this. Did she apologize at least? Did she? Yeah, she apologized profusely, and she was saying, uh, I, "I think it was the apology that was like the ticking part, right?" Because why was like, it was weak? She was like, "Yeah, it was weak." Right? She was like, she didn't reference uh, the the Bachelor, but she referenced like me being on a TV show. And she uh. was like. And, and it made me think. I'm like the home. I like that's my home. That's my friend. Like you yeah. Know? No, I'm like you could have said <laughs> anything else, but you cannot Seriously. say that name. Seriously, like, you just can't. Like it's just it's a no. And she did it, and I was, I was just, womp womp womp. It was I so just wait. Go so what? So what happened after that? Was it like you were you were finding your your exit route <laughs> no, at that point, or no? I continued tonight. We had a, a, a wonderful night, but. Yeah, I'm just in the back of my head. It's ain't wifey. <laughs> like, oh man, wifey don't mess up my name. She is gonna be regretting this for the rest of her life. It's nah, like that one know. slip up, that one nah. slip up. Well, you know why Stephen Curry did not go to Nike, and he signed. They called him Stephen, right? They, they called him Stephen. Yo, names it's are respect. powerful. Don't mean it's don't about mean respect. My name, especially that case. I'm no big deal, but in that case, you better pay this man three hundred million dollars, and you don't know his name. He's gonna be the face of your of your brand. Yeah, you better get it right. Yeah, and I don't have like uh, extremely hard names to pronounce because I would even understand in that regard. My name is Mike, Michael Johnson. Extremely popular name. It's a very easy name. Well, so, whoever yeah, you are, whoever you are, I don't know your name, but you fumbled the bag, girl. Yo, you fumbled the bag. More than fumbling the bag, she brought it up. She said, "Oh my God, you're gonna talk about this on your podcast." <laughs> <laughs> You damn straight. I'm gonna talk about like, it. You damn right. That's I'm talking about it. Like, That's what we do. I gotta talk, talk it out. out. Yeah, I gotta talk it out. <laughs> so I mean, super. you know, you know, we gotta live vicariously through you. The single. <laughs> this is the type of shit that happens when you're single. I guess, man. <laughs> the bloopers. Yeah, this was definitely a blooper on her side, not my side. Oh man, that's. Crazy. I don't think I've ever called a woman by the wrong name. Like there has been times to where I may have forgotten the name, but I will easily replace it with something else. Yeah. Like, I, what about when you like introduce somebody? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm always, if I don't know the person's name, like, oh, this is my wife, Rachel. And then they'll kind of have a little interaction, get the name. Oh, no, like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got no, it now. No, I feel you. I would do that too. Like, if I, if you forgot someone else's name, like, yo, I would tell Rachel, like, yo, Rachel, I'm going to introduce you. Then, like, you know, <laughs> I have no you idea ask for her, baby. Like, you yeah. go ahead in there. Yeah, I would do that too. I've done that all the time. But, like, yeah. when I'm, if I'm going on a date with someone, Remember my effing name, especially when I'm paying for all this stuff. Shit. <laughs> like, it's just etiquette, people. All right, my hot take. I actually saw this tweet by Lil Duval. He's always saying some controversial stuff that gets everybody riled up. He um, so he said, "Ladies, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this for ladies and men, but ladies, the guy you're with now, would you, would he had been your type ten? years ago it's funny because when i saw that i totally could relate to it because rachel and i have had this conversation several times like we always bring it up in in passing but we both agree that we probably wouldn't have been down for each other 10 plus years ago like <laughs> she says it she's like i would have thought you were cute but i would never expect for you to come up to me and kick game and yada 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 like I always tell her, I was like, "Look, girl, I would have finessed you at whatever age." Hey, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm just messing around, but she's like, "Yeah, okay, buddy." Like she looks at me and just starts <laughs> laughing. But, but yeah, man. I mean, ten years is a long time. I mean, it's it's funny. A couple of weeks ago, we had that whole you know talk about Greg, and he wasn't ready. And and sometimes, man, you just haven't exactly. hit that growth spurt. You haven't hit that maturity uh, in your life where you're able to take that next step with somebody, you know what I'm saying? And, and for me, to be honest, like when I went in my, out in Miami, I would say pre-dating apps, I wouldn't run into a lot of black women where I went, right? Like it would be mostly Latina, 
for the majority is was Latina in, in Miami uh, or white, maybe some mixed here and there. But the places I went to did like black women didn't go. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't that I wasn't attracted to black women because I actually always have like from back in the day when I was young, watching movies and TV and stuff like I would always be attracted to the to black women on TV. But, you know, it just wasn't till my. I would say my 30s and I really have to give a shout out to the to the dating apps where it was just like now all of a sudden I had all this this selection or these choices like a <laughs> taste of rainbow whatever you whatever you wanted was on those apps you know what I'm saying and you know that's when I really started diving in and dating you know uh women of color and you know it was it was great man and obviously I met my wife and the rest is history but one thing I got to say about that I'm sure you know, we've said it before. Timing is everything, right? Certain, certain. Like Rachel, you know, she was, you know, maybe having fun in Texas and you know doing stuff when when she got her law degree and 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 she was a, you know, a practicing law, and I was, you know, a single idiot, you know, just running around and you know just dating around, and I wasn't ready to get married, right? So you know, I think ten years is a long time. Um, would I have been attracted to her? Yes, but I just don't know if it would have worked out just because of the, the maturity factor of where I was at and where she was at. I get that completely. You know, something about the attraction aspect, because you two met on the bachelor, uh, yeah. Bachelorette, right? What a lot of people don't realize is that when you go on a show, there's a, a lot of the contestants are attractive people, right? Conventionally attractive people. Yeah, that absolutely. just doesn't mean that they have to be attractive to you, right? Like I could see a woman on a show like okay, I she is attractive, but she just might not be attractive to me. And I think that people sometimes don't get that aspect, right? There's so many other pieces to it, and it's no offense, right? Like I mean, yeah. I'm, I know you've mentioned like some names before of like let's say women in Bachelor Nation. Like she's a beautiful girl, just not my type. I want to ask you something, bro. I want to ask you something. So, do you believe in quote unquote right person, wrong time? I, I do agree. I do. I, yeah, I would say yes. Have you ever had somebody like that where it was like, damn, if if I was good with myself and she was in her, you know, the right place in her with herself, like maybe this could have gone somewhere or maybe you guys were just off. I'm 100 percent certain I've, I've met at least my first wife some, at some point. And I say first wife because I'm only getting married once. So we probably would have got, got a divorce because I wasn't ready yet. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. I, I mean, I've dated some awesome women. Like yeah. I truly have. Shout out to, to, to those ladies. Uh, but I know, for example, I was in the military traveling. I wasn't trying to be no, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to be a single dad and then have to go to a different base X, Y, Z. Right. And I wasn't trying to marry somebody not being ready for it. So, yeah, I, I do believe in the right person, wrong time. Completely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that, you know, like you said, you dated women in the past that were you know, had everything, right? Like they were wife material, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. You guys weren't on the same page together. I think for me, again, everything happens for a reason. At the time of the show, the stars pretty much just aligned for us. And we were both in that stage in our lives where, you know, we had gotten all the fun out, you know, we had gotten all the, all that out of our system prior, you know, dating and being single and whatnot. And we were in a great place mentally uh, and emotionally. And, you know, we wanted to take the next step. And I think it was just the perfect timing. You know what I'm saying? So let me ask you this. What's up? I think Little Duval was referencing like really a women that can get any guy. I think that's who he was referencing. Because he well, talks, th- here's what here's where I think he I think he was get he's always a little messy, but yeah, ladies, he always the guy messy. the guy you're with now, would he had been your type ten years ago? Was this for the woman that Maybe some people think now they're settling. You know what I'm saying? Like that's they were single. That's the they, subliminals he's trying to say. Okay, okay. That's Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, little Duval is saying, for all you women who are like can get any guy, and because a lot of times what he talks about on his channel is, yeah, guy. You know, he talked about the auntie of the week, right? You know, I, I love <laughs> little Duval. Well, I follow his page or whatever, right? And I think what he's saying is, for all you baddies out there. That are only going for like the one, the NBA player type, right? The one percenter, athlete, yeah, superstar. Are you missing line out? Line. Yep. Are you missing out on your husband? Yeah. Right, and that's a, that's a really good question. I think that's a hot take in itself because but all, but also, what if they don't 
get with one of those people and then time passes. Now you got some young baddies coming onto the scene. You know what yes. I'm saying? And, and now it's like, oh damn, like my selection isn't as isn't as great as it was before. And bro, now my own family members have told me that about myself. My cousins have been like, bro, this was back in 2019. They're like, bro, you just got off the show. You hot. You better go get your <laughs> baddie right now. Cause your 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 stock's not gonna last forever. I've literally had my own family member tell me that, right? And I'm like, yo, if she's for me, she's for me. You feel me? But right, right. There there is some I would say there's some validity behind it. Yeah, I, 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 can, I, I can see it too. I would say, I, I mean, that's flack, but that's what the beauty of hot take is. I do think that there is some validity behind it. But it's funny. I just want, I would want to hear the thoughts of the ladies out there of, you know, where they're at now, the guy they're with. And you're like, oh man, I would have never dated him back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would just be interesting to hear the perspective from the women out there. I would love to hear. So all the talking out listeners, hit us up, DM us. We want to, we genuinely want to hear the answer to this. I, I can't wait. I think that that's what Little Duval is referencing because we have a lot of, a lot of times, I think this is bigger than just, this is all genders. Yeah. And this is what we're going through a lot today with the single people is that we have this thing called social media and we might be doing great right, ourselves, and we're like, man, I can do better, I could do better, I could do better, instead of focusing on that person. That you always you. think that the grass is greener on the other side and you don't water what you have. Correct, and I think that that mindset is only becoming worse and worse. It's like, you go on, I go on TikTok, and it's some baddie I'm gonna see on TikTok, I don't even be trying, like, it just, and here's the happening. thing, here's the thing, bro, all that social media, it's all meant to, I mean, I believe it, I mean, you saw the, I forgot what the name of the documentary was, but they're meant to oh, yeah. get us addicted. You know what I'm saying? Like get us caught in. So it's like, whether it be a dating app, swiping left, swiping right, it's like psychologically, it's like a little game. It's like, you could, you know, you just start looking at so many options out there that it, you know, it dilutes everything and you don't really focus on, on, you know, possibly something special that you have right in front of you. I completely agree with you, Brian. I love that hot take for today. Uh, but let's get into it with our guests. We have Hunter Montgomery on. You guys may know him from Katie season. He's the uh, single dad. He uh, is a gentleman that has Tourette's and he has gone through so much in his life. And I met him here in Austin, great guy. Uh, I just want you all to witness what I've witnessed and just a great individual that he is. So Hunter, yeah. let's do it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, Hunter, welcome to the show. Welcome to Talking Out. We know that you have so much to unpack with us. Uh, we want the people to get to know you. I've been seeing your IG lives. You're being steady with it. I think last week you had uh, Michael A on. And so it's, yeah. just, it's your time to shine, big dog. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm ready. What's up, Hunter, man? Pleasure to meet you. Um, just want to start off, man. Let's talk about the show. Obviously, uh, you know, you were a, an integral part of the season, and I would just want to know what made you decide to go on the show in the first place. So I, 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 I just come off of a, a long separation and a long divorce, um, and I, you know, for those that have been through divorce, it's a, it's a really confusing time, and like for me, I, I was just in this place where there's a lot of hurt and almost loneliness, and. When the show reached out, <clears throat> I mean, at first I thought it was a joke, right? I didn't even think it was real. But then I sat and thought about what was going on. And I thought like, honestly, there's a reason that this is happening. Um, 
maybe this is like what I'm supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, I believe that things happen for a reason. And so I thought, what do I have to lose? You know, and don't get me wrong, like the, my kids, my career, all of that stuff played a huge part in, in my decision-making process. But from a standpoint of, of love and like where I was emotionally, I thought that this was a chance for me to kind of get outside of my comfort zone and, and take a risk. So that's why. You, how long have you been single before going on or divorced before going on to The Bachelorette? So I, I got I got separated about a year before and my divorce was pretty fresh, six months, seven months. Okay, so um, did you even have time to date like in those six months or were you just kind yeah, of processing I, everything? I, did. <clears throat> I dated a little bit and I mean, you guys, you guys know dating is, is today is, is weird. It's with the apps. <laughs> and so weird. I, you know, weird isn't even, a, a, I'd like to say other words, but. How, how long have you been married? I, yeah, so I was married for nine years and I was wow. with my wife. And I was with my wife uh, at the time. I had been with her for, I don't know, 11 years, I think total. And so for me, like dating, <laughs> I, I hadn't actually dated for over a decade. So yeah. can you imagine it was like waking up from like a being frozen and like yeah. seeing, seeing these apps Twilight and, Zone. <laughs> and all the, all the all the games and the rules and it I was insane, man. I can't even imagine. I remember my, when I uh, got out of a relationship, a almost three year relationship, I had no game, like zero. <laughs> and my homeboy was talking about me because he knew me before and after that relationship. He was like, bro, what happened to the, to the old guy that I used to know? And so I can only imagine for you after being, you know, 11, 12 years with one woman, going back to dating scene, how that could have even played out for you. Is it me yeah, or does that, that's like, you got to get your mojo back. Like it takes I, a I, while. I remember one of the first dates I went on, I I got it on a, a patio. Like I, I made sure to get patio reservations. I wore a button up, a long sleeve button up in Houston. <laughs> and like 10 minutes in guys, you'd think I was on paradise. I was just like dripping sweat. <laughs> <clears throat> and this poor girl, like, I'm sure she was like, what is wrong with this man? Like, he's soaking wet. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it took me it took me a little bit of time to to get my bearings, you know. Uh, fair enough. And then how do the kiddos feel about you going on The Bachelorette? <sighs> you know, the the kids, uh, they're they don't really understand it. Uh, I, I kind of tried to tell them and I think they they thought that I was just going on like a a fun vacation. They wanted to come with me. I will say this. Um, people are, are usually respectful about like if they see me with the kids, right? They don't say anything, but there have been occasions where, you know, their summer camp counselor will say something about like, when's dad picking you up or, and that, that kind of stuff, ah, that's uncomfortable, right? Cause my daughter knows, but she doesn't. And so she's eight. So we haven't really, I can't really, convey to her like what what the show is but she knows so that's yeah. something that eventually we're gonna have to have a, a real discussion about, about that. you briefly mentioned uh hunter about you know you struggled a little bit but how how much how bad was it on the show because obviously we saw michael a he had a, a big issue obviously with his son at home and he actually bowed out towards the end yeah. of the show like did you struggle like that at all i did i absolutely did so i can remember you know, we got to FaceTime the kids and mm, you nice. would think that that would be a good thing, right? Talking to your kids uh, is, as much as you need to. But the problem is that it's almost like you get a little piece of that and then they, they start asking you questions like, you know, my daughter would say, well, so daddy, are, then are you coming home tomorrow? Um, and I would have to, you know, I would have to say, darling, I, I'm not coming home tomorrow. I'm, I'll be home soon. And she's like, well, when soon? Because I, I I really want you to, you know, help me. I got this new toy and I need you to help me put it together. And it's just that kind of stuff. It just kills you. Um, yeah. And I can remember one night I got home from a group date or something. And, and y'all know that feeling like you're drained, you're exhausted, you're emotional. And I, I remember like putting something in my bag and like this comic book popped out that she had drawn me. And mm. it just it just killed me guys i broke down like connor b was in there and he luckily connor was there to <laughs> console me but it was just so bad and at one point I, I had to ask myself like am i like am i supposed to be here 
because I need to get home to my babies. Like I, it was so painful. So yeah, it wasn't uh, that. That was the hardest thing about it for sure. I can imagine. Well, you handled yourself well, uh, which time on the show. And talking about like you know dating and being on the show and having children. Do you anticipate having more in the future? Uh man, if you would have asked me that right when I got divorced, I would say absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I honestly like I I haven't made a decision on that. Right, I'm open to that because here's the thing: like when I find the woman that you know I fall in love with and that I decide to marry, if I do it's really going to depend on like what she wants and what she needs and where she's at in her life. Right. So I'm not going to shut myself off to that at all. I, I can tell you right now, it would be challenging. It would be something that I would have to really think about because, you know, having kids is not like, uh, you know, buying a new house, having kids is having kids. Yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and I know, I know how hard fatherhood is, especially early on. And so, like I made a commitment to myself, like, especially after the divorce that I am going to control everything I can that affects the kids. And so that's a decision that really, it not only affects the kids, my kids, but it, it affects kids I'm bringing into this world. So that's something that I'd take a lot of time to have to make that decision. I love that, man. Uh, I can't even imagine just being in that position whatsoever at all. And Brian and I love our mothers. We love our fathers as well, but we always talk about uh, like just women and moms and single moms. Uh, you're a single dad. How has your experience been in that regard? Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot different. I, you know, I, I told uh, I told Michael, we were having this chat and I, I, I just moved into a new house, um, which is awesome, so fun. I'm so used to, I've, when I've moved, I've always been with my ex-wife and so, it's just a very different feeling. You know, it's like you, you're used to having kind of a partner in crime and, and now you don't. And with the kids, it, there's never like a break, right? I mean, I have the kids' grandparents and stuff like that, but when I have them alone, like it's just different because you don't, you're not a team anymore. Um, yeah. And also just the idea of, you know, there's some loneliness there, right? And I think that's natural. I, you know, like when the kids leave to go back to mom's, I'm sitting there and it's this empty house with toys and it's just a weird feeling. Uh, uh, it's hard to get used to. Dude, what, I feel like I need to contact George Schrader or Chris Stapleton to write you a country album, man. <laughs> Hunter, what's the, what's the co-parenting situation like? Like, are you, like, is it amicable? Like, are you guys, it's, it's you know, fantastic. with the kids? It's, it's fantastic. So one okay, of the good. biggest things that, that we decided and that we, you know, even before we decided to, to get a divorce is that, you know, something that I really try to remember is that the divorce itself isn't always the thing that makes the most negative impact on the kids. Really, it's the life afterwards. It's yeah. <clears throat> not Great talking point. bad about mom and dad. It's, it's you know, not um, ever you don't ever want to like say anything negative about the other partner, because here's the thing, like I want them, I want for their mother to look amazing in their eyes. I want to build her up. Right. And so <clears throat> we try our best to never argue in front of them. We try to work with each other, work with each other on schedules, work with each other on switching things around. I want her to be happy. Um, and, and she wants me to be happy. We care about each other deeply. It's just, we, we couldn't stay a family, unfortunately, but we beca just because we couldn't stay that kind of family, we still want to be a family, if that makes sense. So yeah, co-parenting is huge for us. It's huge. How did your ex-wife feel about you going on the show? Did you guys talk about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, so, I take it she didn't approve so much. Okay, so I will say this. She's the very first person I called. And I told her, look, I am not going to do this. I would never consider doing this unless I had your full support, right? Um, and at first, she kind of like laughed it off. She was like, look, I, if you want to do that, you can do it. It's kind of douchey, but if you want to do it, go do it like that. <laughs> douchey, she said. She, she called me out. Um, but here's the thing, like once things got real and once things got serious, 
there was a little bit of, of uh, reluctance there. And, and we kind of went back and forth. Um, at the end of the day, she supported me and she was amazing while I was gone. And again, this is a situation where even though there were some feelings there towards me when I was gone, she didn't show that to the kids. She didn't badmouth me. She didn't take it out on me to the kids. And I respect her so much for that. And, and I would give her that same mutual respect. But now that I'm That's back, awesome. um, things are a lot better. Let's just put it that way. I mean, yeah. would you feel the same? I mean, could you feel her, you know, oh, if, if if the shoe were on the other foot and she went on to The Bachelor? And, and here's the thing, like, Every time I talk about this, I say, look, I get it. Like, I mean, I, I put myself in her shoes. We got a divorce less than a year before. And if she went on TV to marry some guy, I mean, yeah. And, and she's getting all this attention on online and stuff. I would hate that. I mean, I would I would have a lot of feelings about it. So, you know, for me, she's handling this extremely well, even though there's still some you know, there's still some resentment there, but I get it. I totally understand. Hunter, I would have been livid. I ain't gonna lie. I would have been pissed. I'd be like, you no, never listen. loved me. No, listen, I get it. I get it. And here's the thing, like her friends, they they make sure and remind me of that. Like her friends. <laughs> her friends her were friends talking were for actually, her, basically. Her friends are actually more, more vocal about it than she is. You know, it's like they, they're allowed to be the bad guy. Hunter, uh, how could you? Uh, definitely so. <laughs> uh, but Hunter, I want to move into uh, something a, a little bit more serious. Uh, we had, you know, we've had multiple people throughout the franchise, you know, just show their authenticity and just show their, uh, you know, some of the things in their past that they've gone through and things that they've done. And we know, we know that you're sober. I know that personally hung out with you a few times, you know. All right. And it's just honestly so amazing, fantastic to have these conversations. And you brought up a few times about, you know, post-marriage being lonely. And I kind of want to know, did the divorce make it harder to stay sober going through that process? Like, how is it when you, you've you done drugs and alcohol, but had an issue with that before, you know, are now clean, but then go through something traumatic? Absolutely. Um, here's the thing, like, for me, to be, you know, being sober and like the way that I went about my recovery and I go about it today is I, I had a lot of education about the actual disease of alcoholism and addiction. Um, and I've learned and I've gotten to a point of understanding that I know that drugs and alcohol are not going to be a solution for me. So if you can imagine, like if I'm, if I'm in the middle of a divorce and I'm feeling like this low and I'm just like so miserable, if I go and get loaded, or if I go and get drunk and relapse, when I wake up, I'm going to be way Even down. Lower. Yeah. And, and so, like, for me, it's like my sobriety, my recovery is literally everything. I, it is more important than anything in my life. And I know that that sounds, it may sound weird, like it's more oh, important than your kids. It's more important than my kids because here's the thing. If I'm not sober, I am not there for my kids. I right. mean, for me, a relapse means in two weeks I'm going to be shooting oxycontin on the streets I mean, that's just that's the nature of my disease and so whenever i was going through the divorce i was super lonely and super sad but here's the thing if anything that's when i should be the most into service and helping others and trying to trying to get into the program and making sure that like i'm spiritually fit like that's when i should really be focusing on recovery rather than thinking these thoughts of well maybe if I put some bubble gum on this leak, it'll go away, right? Because that's not the case. Like for me to use drugs and alcohol during that period of time, it would have been the opposite of, of a solution. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now, now, Hunter, can you just take us back and give us like a little history on as far as your drug and alcohol problem? Like how far back does it date? And then yeah. 
what was like the worst part of it? What was the rock bottom port part of yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I I actually, you know, a lot of a lot of stories that you hear have broken homes and they have violence and abuse. My my story didn't start out like that. I had everything I needed. Um, if you've heard Zach's story, it's, it's very similar to Zach's story in the sense mm-hmm. that I was taken care of. I was taken care of my whole life. And, I, and, and if anything, I got too much as a kid and growing up. Um, I, I got a football in, injury. I grew up in West Texas. Football was everything. Um, I got an injury and I got prescribed, I think, hydrocodone. And I just remember the very first time taking these painkillers and just feeling this feeling that I had never felt before. And it was almost like a void was filled. It was almost like I was finally comfortable. I can remember like going downstairs and talking to my dad and just feeling like funny and talkative and just like, like alive. And I didn't know what that was at the time, right? I mean, I thought that was medicine. It's not a bad thing. Um, and I won't get too far into it because I could talk forever. But slowly, like, I I started wanting more of that medicine. And when that medicine was gone, I can remember going back, you know, weeks later, and it's not like it happened overnight, but going back weeks later and finding a different bottle of it. You know, my dad was a dentist, that stuff was kind of around and thinking like, oh, I got a headache. Maybe I'll take one of these that, you know, this seemed to make me feel good last time. And before I knew it, like I would be at my friend's houses going to the master bathroom looking for pills. and that slowly turned into seeking it out from people. I, I mean, I was a little hustler about it. Like I would see a girl on crutches or see someone that had their wisdom teeth taken out or whatever. And I would ask if they had pain medicine. Um, and that's just kind of how I started this all out. By the time I went to, to UT in Austin to school, that's when I started getting, you know, getting around dealers. Um, I was in a fraternity. Uh, I, I, I was able to meet a lot of different people and that's when things got really bad because i had so much access to it um hunter this started what your senior year of high school uh probably about my sophomore year of high school it's like 15 years old yeah yeah and that's when i first and you know what like i was i was smoking weed i was in high school i smoked weed i drank a lot but for me like so it started off as this recreational thing but like eventually what happened is that by the time I was in college, I knew that I needed to take that medicine to feel okay. Mm-hmm. And I, so I was, I was addicted to the pain medicine by the time I went to college. And it turned into this thing where when I woke up in the morning, guys, like I had to take, you know, at least 10 pills or I was sick. And, wow. and then it got Whoa. worse. And this and was a daily was, thing? Whoa. Oh, yeah. So, wow. and then it turned into, wow. I had just, you know, to get loaded, I'm taking, I'm having to take 12 at a time then it turned into 14 at a time by the time that i was at the bottom of my you know my bottom i was taking anywhere from 80 to 100 vicodin in a day right. and then and then i moved off right i had to go to oxycontin and started doing that and um i think that that's what a lot of people don't understand is that wow. it's it's really it's a progressive disease and i started so early and it just kept going up from there Hunter, did you, could your friend, I mean, the people that didn't know what you would do behind closed doors, could they tell that something was off? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my close friends knew that there was a problem. You know, we all kind of smoked weed and stuff like that, but they knew that I took medicine and I seeked it out. And I got to the point where I was driving to Houston to meet with a dealer and I was selling. So they knew, but it's, it's crazy because I can remember like watching intervention and having my, like with my buddies and my buddies kind of being like, Hey, like that's kind of like you. you. Yeah. And I can remember threatening, like I threatened one of my best friends one time. And I said, if you ever tell my parents or my family about this, like, I'll just end it. Like I'll kill myself. And wow. um, eventually that's what happened. Eventually he, one of my buddies just kind of had enough and he, literally called my family went to rehab the first time and i didn't really understand that i could never drink again i didn't understand that it was like this is forever and so i i how old were you when you first went to rehab i was 19. no i was 20. i was 20. um Mm. and i came back to austin i immediately i did live in a halfway house but 
I didn't do what the people told me to do. And um, I was back to using, you know, I relapsed and was back to using within 60 days. And that's when things got really bad. That's when, you know, a lot of the stealing started. Uh, I started doing heroin because I couldn't afford oxy. Um, and I had these, these plots. I mean, I would go with a clipboard into people's houses in Austin with fake uniforms, acting like a, a water guy or a, a, you know, an energy guy to check lines and I would steal their medication. I mean, I was bad. Uh, I was, I was a junkie. And, um, eventually I, I got into some trouble with some prescription stuff. And if you guys want to know the whole story, it's on my Instagram live. It, it, it's too much to get into, but I almost went to prison. Um, event, I, I, I I got very, very lucky with that situation. I ended up in rehab. The night I went to rehab was March 23rd of 07. And I went in, I took 32 pills when I got there and I OD. And so that was like my bottom. Um, I thought I was going to prison. I OD'd. I remember waking up in my detox room and just thinking like, you've got a choice to make you're either going to go back to Austin, hitchhike to Austin and live couch to couch, getting loaded until you overdose and die, or you're going to do this. Like you're going to get sober. You're going to do what they tell you to do. And you're going to get sober. And guys, I, I remember I packed my bags. Like I was ready to leave and just go, you know, to the bitter end. And then something came over me. I mean, I, I have, I'm hugely competitive as we all, Saul. Um, and something came over me. And, and part of that is, is my God. You know, I, I, I have a God. He's my, what my version of God is. And, and the other part of it is just my competitive nature and thinking like, I'm not going to let this win. And I remember getting on my knees and just shouting and saying, God, if you want me to do this, you better help me out. And there was also another part of me that wanted to prove all these people like in AA that this didn't work. Like you, you're telling me to do all these things, but I don't think this is a disease. So I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. And when it doesn't work, I'm going to say, I told you so. And I remember that day I, I went to the first class. I walk out, went to class and I did not ever turn my back. I went to every single class. I did everything they told me. I moved into Kerrville, which is a little bitty town in Texas to get sober. Um, That's how to say yeah, I lived with I lived with eight grown men in a you know a three bedroom house, um, halfway house. I bagged groceries. I went to meetings every day, and I just threw myself into this thing, and it, and I became a way of life. And before I knew it, I was I was speaking at different treatment centers and hospitals and jails, and I was sponsoring guys. And eventually, I came to the realization that like I was wrong. This thing does work, you know, because. I actually started doing it. I, I treated this like I treated real recovery like oxygen. I treated it like I was drowning. And when you're drowning, you will literally do anything for air. And that's what I treated recovery like. I will do anything to stay sober. And yeah, I mean, I stayed sober. I, I, I stayed there for a year, went back to Austin. Eventually, I, I graduated, um, got a 4.0 the rest of school. Somehow I didn't get kicked out before um, got a got a really met met the love of my life moved to Houston got a career moved up in my career got a house had two babies and yeah it's uh it's it's insane you know I'm 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 14 years sober today and I think wow congrats what, man congrats what, to that. what's it's incredible what, yeah and, and and here's the thing like I I think for me there's a couple of things there there's the fact that there's so many people out there that are struggling so hard right now with this disease and they don't know who to turn to. They don't know what to do. They're so scared. They don't know there's a solution and they think they're too far to get help. And I can assure each and every one of those people that you are never too far. You can always get better and you can always do anything you want to do. I mean, I was a hopeless, hopeless junkie. Um, if I would have gone to prison, when I should have, I would just now be getting out on parole, maybe. And well, so my that was life- 14 years ago? That was 14 years ago, yeah. My life looks dramatically different than it than it would have. And here's the thing, like I, 
I also want people to understand, especially young people, that like this is not a joke. This this thing is like a bear trap, and it's it it will slam on you without you knowing. And and I think also it's important to understand like this disease does not have any prejudice. It doesn't care if you're rich, poor, black, white, skinny, fat. It doesn't care what neighborhood you're from. It doesn't care what your background is. It will get you. Um, and I and I think for me, I never knew that, right? And I, so I think it's important for young people to understand that this can get anyone. Hunter, I'm gonna ask you a question that, I wanna go a little bit deeper on that because you went to UT, I live blocks from UT right now. Take me back to that time period when you were at UT, you're doing these drugs. I mean, not to call out your friends, but were some of your friends like partaking in it just a little bit? Oh yeah. Okay, I mean, so, so with that being said, what is the, like, what would you say is your path versus their path? Because I overhear kids, man, all the time when I go out, I all the time hear them. I don't, and I hear them talking about, oh, I'm gonna do a line right quick, do some coke right quick, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And, you know, some of them come out just fine and some of them Absolutely. end up in bad positions. So what do you say to them and what, why was your path different, would you say? So I think the first thing is why was my path different? And I'm a big, I mean, I'm a big science guy. I'm a big data guy. And what I have learned about this disease is that it is an actual allergy. And what I mean by that mm. is that I, I have a chemical allergy to mind altering substances. And so what that means is like, Mike, let's say me and you, we go have dinner, right? We're going to go to Swift's attic. It's on you, but okay. They, and they got, they let's say uh, you're allergic to, to shellfish and I'm not, right? So we go over here to Swift's and they're like, we got this awesome special. Y'all got to try it. We don't even care what's in it. We're like, yeah, we'll take two, right? Well, we both eat our specials. We eat our dinner. We don't know, but it has crawfish in it. And so what's going to happen since you're allergic to crawfish, you're, something bad's going to happen. Your body's going to react in an adverse way. Your throat's going to lock up. Your face is going to swell up, whatever it is. Me, I'm going to go on about my night because I'm not allergic. Now, let's change that up. Let's say I'm allergic to alcohol and you're not. So we go out and we have a glass of wine together, right? Uh, kind of weird, but we have a glass of wine together. You're going to have your glass of wine and you're going to go on about your night. You're going to be fine. That's just what you do. For me, when I put that in my body, my body is going to react. And the way that my body reacts is it craves more. And, it, and I develop a mental obsession for this substance. And so what, what, what that looks like for most addicts, it's not necessarily give me another one. It's, it could even be this. It could be a week goes by and I tell myself, wow, I had a glass of alcohol after 14 years and nothing happened. I still mm. have my job. I still got my mm. kids, my girlfriend, life is good. Wow. I'm gonna have another one. So I have another glass with you. And then two weeks goes by, I'm like, look, I've had two glasses of wine and nothing happened. So tonight when me and Mike go out, I'm gonna have two instead of one. And then after about three months of doing this, I'm gonna be like, you know what? I've been drinking wine and nothing bad has happened. I wonder if I can smoke a joint. Keep pushing that, the boundaries. That progression is going to happen until I am shooting Oxycontin into my veins. Dude, that's and, the best analogy I've ever heard in my entire life. And and so for, for me, when I put that hydrocodone in my body that first day, and I went and talked to my dad on the couch, my body was reacting. Hmm. And at that time, the reaction didn't seem so bad because I was very early on in my in my disease. But when I'm a junkie, when my disease has progressed, the way that my body reacts is it gets deathly ill and sick and lethargic uh, and sweaty and just my my body shuts down when it doesn't have those drugs and it needs more. And until I can get that, I can't be normal. You know, I go through life lying and being selfish and being lazy and all my character defects come out so that that allergy 
it reacts differently. And, and so what I, I, I wouldn't necessarily go up to a kid that's doing a line at a party and try to tell him this analogy, <laughs> no, but, no. but I think that it's important to understand, like, there is like, there is a scientific element to this and it's not always just that. Right. I think that there's also, if you lock a rat in a cage and give him cocaine every day for a month, he's going to want cocaine. Yeah. Um, but I also have friends that party just yeah. not quite like me, but they, they partied a lot and they're yeah. fine. You talk a lot, a lot about your friends, your parents, you know, even your ex-wife. Like, I want to know about your support system. Like who was the most instrumental, you know, in your recovery, like at your lowest point, would yeah. you say? Absolutely. Um, you know, I had a group of friends that I went to school with um, in college and there were a, a, a few certain guys that never, ever turned their back on me. And when they took me to rehab, they visited me every week. They brought me, you know, goodie bags at rehab. But really what it was about them is that they never gave up on me and they were always there for me. My sister has been probably the most instrumental in my support system. Um, you know, whenever I got sober, and especially like when I was in my active addiction, she was always, always, always there for me. And she loved me more then than she loved me at a time when I didn't deserve to be loved. And that's when she loved me the most. And so she was absolutely my rock. You know, she was my everything. Um, and then I have to, I have to say like my parents, I, I mean, bless their hearts, especially my mom, you know, she, she was she went to Al-Anon and she learned about this disease and she tried to understand why her son was was sick and and why he was this way and she never stopped supporting me and, and neither did my dad um and then obviously the community in AA they were huge for me so i i have i've just had i've been blessed with the support system since i started this thing and i and i think that's huge that's you know no, definitely. That's, I mean, you're blessed, honestly, because not all people have that support system. I agree. And the other thing that I, and I try to talk about this and I want, I want to not just talk about it. Like, and that's part of this platform and tr me trying to get more and more into recovery services is that there, I, I had the chance to get better because I had money. That's it. My parents had money and could send me to rehab twice to send me to a good rehab. And there are so many people out there that don't have that. Some of them don't even have parents. Yeah. And because of that, they're not able to get help. They're not able to go to a, a facility. They're not able to learn about this thing and do this thing right. And I think that it's, it's a shame and it's such a travesty that because my parents had a certain profession or a certain color of skin or grew up in a certain area, whatever it is that I'm able to have a second shot at life, but others aren't. And so I, I, I try so hard to change that. I worked my, <laughs> I worked my ass off raising money and uh, sit on a board for a nonprofit in West Texas, where we built a treatment facility for, primarily for indigent care for people that can't afford to go to treatment because like that's what we need we what's the need, name of the nonprofit? uh it's called adac adac i just want to shout them out as well yeah adaccv um and it's it's in san angelo um you can you can read all about the the efforts i mean it was it was an awesome it's just the whole story was awesome but we worked together as a community and we finally got this thing built but I think what's what's important here is to understand that like it shouldn't be different from me or anyone else getting help you know yeah, no you're right our our, our health care system especially our mental health care system is it is so out of whack and and you know people talk about it people you can post about it on your instagram stories and you can post you know articles and infographs all you want but until you are out there doing things and acting on this, no changes are going to be made. So I, I talk about it, but I also, I try so hard to advocate for it and I'm going to continue to do that. And that's one of the reasons that 
like this platform, I don't have a big platform, but whatever size platform I have, I'm always going to try to use it for the Take better. Advantage of it, yeah. You know, I, you say you don't have a big platform, but what I saw on TikTok the other day, Brian, before you came on 100, I, I was telling Brian, my FYP on TikTok is just a bunch of business stuff. And the individual said something that was pretty dope to me. He said, you may not think you have a big platform, but Hunter, I know you have a few thousand followers, right? If you know, memory serves me correct. Imagine if you had, let's say, 5,000 people in one room. That's a big ass group of people. Yeah. yeah. It only takes Absolutely. one person, right? Yeah, your your I mean, platform one person at a time. is doing it. You feel me? Like, yeah. It's, it's not no, like absolutely. 10 million, right? But all it takes is to, to, to get through to one person. No, absolutely. And and here's the thing, like, for me, it's it's not about the followers. For me, what it's about is that, like, after I did that Instagram live, and it was a long one, it was like an hour long, and I recorded it and put it out there, and it's my story. I got so many messages from people that were just so either so touched by it or it resonated with them. I got messages from people that said, look, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to get sober because of you. So, yeah, like, shame on me for talking about having a small platform because here's the thing. Well, I'm not like, trying to shame like, you, bro. Yeah. No, 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 but, but, but you're right. You're right because here's the thing. Like, if I can help literally one person, then I have a platform. Yeah. Right? 100%. Now, if I can help if I can help 100, that's awesome too. If I can help 1,000, bring it on, baby. Let's go. <laughs> bring it on, baby. One person at a time, yeah. man. That's it. Coming down off of the, the, the drug aspect, I know, you know, while we had you on the show and while you were in Katie's season, you had spoke about you having Tourette's. Yeah. And here I'm talking it out, you know, we want to normalize those conversations because Let's not, do it. not everyone is made the same. We're all different and beautiful because of it. Uh, and I'm hoping that you can kind of shed some light about your journey with Tourette's and how that has been Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think Tourette's is that it's a, it's a very misunderstood uh, concept, right? Uh, syndrome, if you will. Help me um, understand it. And, I, and yeah, absolutely. So for me, like, so Tourette's, it, just like a lot of neurodivergence, it's on a spectrum, right? So you've seen in movies where maybe someone's shouting cuss words and they have Tourette's. But it's not always that, right? It, yeah. it can go from anywhere from these like vocal tics to just clearing your throat a lot, or it can be like these like very active tics, or it can be shouting, you know? Like oh. for me, like I can remember, I've had this since I was a kid. I can remember running down the basketball court in seventh grade on the basketball team, flailing my, my oh, and I hate doing it because it makes guys, it like brings it back, but like doing these tics because I had to. So for someone with Tourette's making this action or, or f doing this, uh, whatever it is you do, your tick, it, it's, it's almost like satiating a hunger or a, an itch in your body. It's almost like you can't breathe until you do this thing. Huh. And so I've gotten, I've gotten to where I can control it for the most part, but then I have this snort that I do. And then I have a blinking thing that I do. And sometimes I clear my throat and it happens at different times sometimes it's when i'm really anxious sometimes it's when i'm nervous or when i'm tired um and so it's it's interesting because i've thought a lot about this since i've seen it on tv um and there's been a lot of you know at first there was a lot of like ugly stuff about it you know people saying like someone get this guy kleenex you know he's disgusting like he's a freak all these things are assholes sometimes right yeah, no, and I and here's the thing, like, a lot of, uh, uh, in the beginning, I thought, like, I wish they wouldn't have shown that. But the more I think about it, I'm so, so, so happy that they showed it. I'm so yeah. happy they showed it, and I'm happy that it was loud and that it was uncomfortable because there are so many people out there that have this syndrome, kids especially, that need to understand that different is not less different is not bad and just because you are different and something is different about you whether it's you know having autism or having uh, something like this like Tourette's or anything any disability like you need to understand that is not a bad thing it's not less and and you know I've had I've had moms DM me and say my son has the same exact tick as you and we watch you together and now he's he's okay with it and and like i i first of all i think that that's it's weird to hear that because i'm i'm nobody but like i love the fact that 
some kid is out there watching a guy on TV snorting or doing this this tick that they feel they always have to do and they feel so ostracized and weird about. But now they see a guy that's on TV and they need to understand, like, it doesn't matter what you have that's different about you. You can go and do anything you want. You can be whoever you want. And it's not a less thing. You can go be on TV. You know, you can go be on a goofy reality show. Like there's no limits I, to what did, you could do. Yeah. And, and the big thing here is that, like, it doesn't make you a freak. And it's not disgusting. And, you know, I, I, I went to the point of like, and this is cringy, but I, 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 got on t- I got on Twitter and I I went and responded to a bunch of these people that were specifically talking about like the snorting. I said, look, I get it. Like, I know that it's not, it's, it's kind of gross to look at, but I can assure you, like, I, I hate it too. I hate living with it way more than you ever hated. And like, mm. I didn't do that to like call these people out. I did that because like, I, I want people to understand that like when you say something like that about another human, it's it's good to maybe stop and think about what you're saying. And and it's it you you really need to understand that words matter and words affect people. And and there's a lot of times people can't control stuff like that. And in this in this case I can't, you know. So I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that they aired it. Um it's it's uncomfortable, but I also think that we've all got our stuff. Yeah. We've all got our exactly. ailments. Exactly. And we've all got things that are different. And, and maybe we're not proud of all of them. But it doesn't mean that we have to feel lesser because of it. You know? Yeah. I love that. Different is not less. That should be the title of this uh, episode. While we still have you, you know, tonight we have Bachelor in Paradise coming on. Oh, yeah. Hunter. I need the tea, baby. I need the tea. Give me something. Give you, me something. You got a lot of friends go. on the show. What can you Man, tell us? Drop I, some tea you know for what? us. Like, you know what? I got I got Connor already, you know, making out heavy with these girls. We, Trey, <laughs> Trey's got a Trey's got an uncle that's like <laughs> Hey, Trey's uncle need to be on a, uh, Trey's uncle needs to be on a bachelorette next season. <laughs> he does, right? Right? And then, you know, I, I think I saw I think I saw a uh a preview of Aaron and Ivan maybe getting into it. Here's what I'll say. I'm 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 kind of grateful that I'm not having to worry about being in the middle of all that right now. It's like a, I I it seems like things are going to be pretty hot this summer. You know. <laughs> yeah. To say the least. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll say like I've always loved Bachelor in Paradise, but seeing your friends on there, it's different. It's right? a different. Yeah, thing. it's different, right? It's a different feeling. And there's a, you know, there's a few girls that I didn't know much about that I am starting to learn more about. And that's cool too, you know? Of course so. So Hunter, if you were on there like, I have to know. Brian has to know. Who would you holler at? Any Bachelor Nation crush uh, that we like, should know about? We got to know, bro. You got to do it. Well, why not put it out into the universe? You know what I'm saying? You never know what can happen. Um, I'm not going to name a name, but for the sleuthers out there, Describe this individual. I'll, 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 I'll say this. Um, she was on VIP six, and I, I, and I commented on, I commented on one of her pictures today. That's all I'll say. That's it. <laughs> Look it up, Mike. Hey, Look hey, it Reddit. up. No, I Reddit need... people. Reddit people, take notes. Reddit go crazy. <laughs> Reddit about to go crazy. Did she, did she like it, or did she respond to it in any manner? Not yet, but she actually liked a couple of my pictures today. Oh, oh. you got the team. <laughs> we we may have a connection, folks. Look, look I'm not, you said I'm a not, couple I'm of your pictures, not, not just one. That means she went to your bio, went to the <laughs> profile, and scrolled a little bit. Get, I'm not trying to get rose-colored glasses. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to anyone that's struggling with mental health, anyone struggling with sobriety, anyone struggling with being different and knowing that they're not less yeah. than what is Hunter's take on that? So here's the thing, like what, what I, the, the, the blanket advice that I would give is therapy mm. period therapy. I think that we as a society have got to start normalizing <clears throat> getting help for our mental health. And that's through therapy. I think that it's gotten a lot better. I think that companies are treating it a lot better. 
people are more accepting of the idea of going and talking to a psychologist or a therapist. But to me, it should be just as important as going and getting a, a checkup at the dentist. It should be, yeah. it should be like going to the gym. Obviously you're not going to go to a therapist every day for an hour, but like going to therapy is something that I feel like we do not utilize as a society. And sometimes talk, talking about these issues, especially with a professional that knows how to handle them, that's enough. I'm not saying that it's going to cure all your problems. It's going to just make them go away. But therapy, it works, especially if you find the right person. So, like, that's my blanketed advice right there. I agree. Hunter, if, if you could go back in time with everything that you've been through, um, you know, with the Tourette's, with the drugs and alcohol, like, would you change anything? No. I wouldn't change a thing. No. You know, I, a lot of times people ask me, like, do you wish you were normal? And I, first of all, oh, it's what, normal. What the fuck is normal? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Um, and, sec- and second, like, my answer is no. I, I don't want to be normal. Like, the, the high that I feel, like, in my life from sobriety and from recovery and, and what happens to me as a result of my recovery is better than any dope that there ever was. So, like, do I wish that I could drink like normal people? All these things, like, no, I don't. Like, I don't deal with hangovers. <laughs> I don't have to worry about drinking and driving. Uh, I can go on The Bachelor and not have to worry about saying stuff when I'm drunk. Yeah, I, but really, like, it's about like this is my life, and if I'm gonna sit around and wish things were different, then I'm not gonna be happy. I, I've I've got to be happy with what I have and. I'll tell you what, like I've had a few rough patches in my life, but I'm so blessed and I have a hell of a life. And so I don't regret any of it because it got me where I am today. Hell yeah, man. Homie, uh, can't wait to see you next up in Austin. I'll be in Dallas uh, next month if you're still going to be there. Uh, as yeah, always, uh, pleasure, pleasure meeting you, Hunter. And uh, thank Absolutely. you so much for sharing your story with us. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. It's always good talking to you all. And, and yeah, Mike, I'll see you in September, brother. Yo, Mike, that was a powerful conversation, man. I obviously I didn't know much about Hunter as far as his personal life, but everything that he brought up was incredible and everything that he overcame in his life. Uh, it, it was impressive, man. So it was. I, I'm really happy we had him on. Oh, definitely. I Having these type of conversations, what talking out is all about. And Hunter came through uh, different is not less than. That's yes. like if, if I were to get another tattoo, that that's a pretty dope tattoo. I really like that. Different is not less than. I think that's like a hashtag yeah. slogan, uh, something a mantra everyone can live by. So Hunter, we definitely appreciate you. And I loved what he said, and I loved what he talked about as far as helping people and, and using his platform to talk about mental health and, and alcoholism and drug addiction. And like we said, man, just one person, that's all it takes. Even if you have one follower and that follower is you know, listening to your advice and, and can get help. That's all. That's what it's all about. It, tr- it truly is. Just continue to to do what you're called to do. And for Hunter, right, man. it's to, you know, try to give. And it's just so crazy. Like Zach and Hunter both talk about these diseases have, they, they, they come after everybody. Yeah. They don't discriminate. And, bro, I forgot sure. about his Hunter's analogy. That was dope. That was dope. He broke it down so simply. Like, he yeah. broke it down so good. I, I, I just loved it. And, of course, uh, thank you all to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We truly appreciate you all. No, definitely so. You know, we always love to hear your opinions, your thoughts, your stories, your insight. So please don't forget to like, comment, talk to us. I'm talking about being that's talking about being on IG, Facebook and Twitter. As always, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to right now. And baby, don't DM me no more. Hit that subscribe and then you can DM me.